Good evening and welcome, fine gentlemen. <clears throat> Praise God and inshallah we are live. Getting all of the proper nutrition into the body. Meat and dairy. But Scott, dairy's not good for the coof. Exactly, it's what they tell you, which means go, go the opposite. Do the opposite. So I thought tonight um, I would uh, read the foreword of this wonderful book uh, my wife and I have started reading together. It is The Household and the War for the Cosmos by C.R. Wiley. <clears throat> and uh, I got it from uh, Canon Press, who is Wilson's lot. Um, but we read, the, uh, we read a bit of it today in the car. And I was just like, man, when we were reading the forward, I was like, man, this is really good. You know, it was... It's been a long road for us uh, since reading Wendell Berry. I think Wendell Berry really kicked off a whole lot of this kind of um, showing the lies of industrialism and liberalism and the free market and, you know, libertarianism and capitalism and blah, you know, all these things that I was a huge uh, proponent of. And again, you know, th those are all tools. They're all tools. I'm not saying like, oh, you know, Scott, you hate free market. You hate capitalism. You hate industry. You, ha you know, it's like, no, no, no. Like they're all tools. They're not gods. They're not, they are not the, they are not the gods that we serve with our whole lives, you know? And if anything touches the God, it must be crucified. You know, it's like, no, no, no they're tools. They're tools. You know, capital is a tool. A market economy is a tool. <clears throat> tools can be used by bad people. Tools can be used by good people. We should impose morality upon, we should impose morality upon the usage of our tools. You know, a good man with a gun is a wonderful thing. You know, an armed society is a polite society because you have good men with guns, right? Their morality is imposed onto the usage of the tool, you know? And this is where you even, you know, you can shock people, but it's like communism, when used by good men at scale, is a wonderful tool. You know, you want, you want at your level of family of like, yeah, my wife and I have a communized uh, operating system, you know, my children, you know, we, they, I will own my children, you know, you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> uh, but beyond that scale of authority, then like, yeah, no, we're, we're, then we, we move into a different operating system, you know? It's the same way with capitalism. Capitalism is a wonderful thing. Oh, the investment of capital into goods and services and production. Oh, so that's wonderful. That's wonderful. When used uh, to serve my people and my place, you know, the interests of my people and my place. The problem is, where do we get that capital from? Oh, bankers. So now... That capital, everything is done in service to the interests of bankers who own the capital, who hold the capital. <clears throat> you know, so so everything everything is a tool. You know, our morality is imposed upon that tool. It's the same thing with statism. You know, back in my libertarian and cap days, oh, you're statist, you're a statist, 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 statist. Again, you know, you're you're going against God on this one of like God has imposed the sword. He has imposed the crown. You know, oh, but Scott, 
God didn't want a king. It was the people, the foolish people who wanted a king. It's like, yeah. And it happened and now it's instituted. Like it is now ordained. Judges, kings, magistrates bear the sword as a ministry to God. Like welcome to reality. This is what it is. Like we're not going back to some utopian Melchizedek patriarchs and Melchizedek. And, you know, it's like, no, like there, there are ordained uh, authority systems now. So now it's whose morality will be imposed upon those tools. They are tools. You know, um, the ma the magistrate or, or the bearer of the sword is a ministry. It's a tool, if you want to call it that. Us deciding not to use the sword, not, not to use the state executionary power of morality doesn't mean it stops being there, you know? Us deciding to be a gun-free family it doesn't mean you're going to be free from the effects of guns. No, uh, now this guy, you're you're now relying on another good man with guns to arrive to protect you from bad men with guns. You know, it's the same way, just extrapolated politically and and economically. You don't get away from the vacuum of power. You don't get away from the vacuum of institutions, of institutional, uh, the ordained institutional systems that are inherent to the operating system of man as God created him. W Laser, welcome, fine sir. DVG, good evening. You, uh, <laughs> un Canadian, un Canadian, welcome, fine sir. <clears throat> it appears we now have a quorum of kings. Well, by God, praise the Lord and inshallah. <sighs> Raw milk stream, know what I mean? Anyway, what I'm getting at in all of this, this road that I started going down, thank very thankful to the based king philosopher king wendell berry i highly recommend the first works that i read of his was a collection of his essays called uh, a world ending fire highly recommended <clears throat> but it got me into this thing of we are deceived into this liberal this global liberal globalist uh fantasy you know stated preference when all around us as revealed preference is institutional power. It's all institutions and, and authority systems, you know, the family being chief, uh, the local economy, um, tribal institutions, nationalist, you know, a nationalist protection, protectionism of the, of economy and, you know, and morality. And, <clears throat> and when you get into this, this thinking, this mode of thinking that, Oh my gosh, like institutions are everything. Institutions are, are everything. The individual is nothing. Individuals just get sucked into the vacuum of power of institutions. You know, I saw a great tweet or quote somewhere today, but it's like some dude was saying, the lone wolf, uh, the strongest lone wolf uh, gets torn apart and eaten by the weakest pack of weak ass beta wolves because the pack will always, the pack will always eat the individual. And so it is with humans. You know, we have this we have this fascination with individual rights because we have no inheritance. We have no tribe. We have no tribe. And so we're like, well, I'm an individual. And it's like, yeah. And then, you, you know, we just get trucked uh, politically, economically, culturally by those who do have tribes, you know. And that's the great call for us is to start building institutions again, to start building institutions and to stop this fantasy, to stop this pissing into the wind of trying to defend individual liberties and individual rights. And it's like, what is an individual right? There is no such thing as an individual right without a tribal institution to back it, without a tribal institution to enforce it. 
you know. And so it brings us to the first institution, uh, which is the family, the household. And so this forward is written by a lady, Nancy Piercy. When I was younger, I was attracted to feminism. I scoured the shelves of the local library for feminist books and always had one or two on my nightstand. I read all the feminist classics and thought each was better than the one before. My flirtation with feminism continued even after I married and gave birth to my first child, especially after I had a child. At the time, I was attending seminary and having a baby meant having to drop out of school. It seemed that I faced the bleak possibility of never fulfilling my deepest interests and calling. It struck me as decidedly unfair that men, when they become fathers, do not have to face the threat of losing their access to education and vocation. That made me wonder, why do the paths for men and women diverge so sharply when they have children? As I researched the subject, I discovered that it was not always so. Before the Industrial Revolution, when economic work was performed within the household, both men and women spent most of their time in the home and its outbuildings. Fathers were able to be far more involved in child-rearing than today, and mothers were able to be involved in economically productive work without putting the kids in daycare. Work was not the father's job, it was the family industry. Often the living quarters were in one part of the house, with offices, workshops, or stores in another part of the same house. Husband and wife worked side by side, not necessarily at identical tasks, but sharing in a common economic enterprise. That struck me as much more balanced arrangement. How did we lose the vision of an integrated household? The change started with the Industrial Revolution, which took work out of the home. The household was no longer the center of economic activity. Fathers had no choice but to follow their work out of the household and into factories and offices. As a result, they were simply not present at home enough to continue the same level of involvement in teaching and disciplining their children. As for women, when household industries were transferred to the new factories, mothers at home were reduced from producers to consumers. Eventually, not only economic production, but also a host of social functions were moved out of the home. Education was removed to schools, care of the sick and elderly was transferred to institutions, grandparents and singles moved out into separate homes and apartments, Recreation became something you buy at the movie theater or engage in alone on your private electronics. Even family devotions were given up and parents came to rely on churches and youth groups. What remained in the home was little more than housework and early childcare. No wonder feminists sensed that many of the rewarding and interesting activities of life had been transferred to the public realm. When I discovered the negative effects caused by the breakup of the household, it made sense why the first wave of feminism emerged shortly after the Industrial Revolution. But feminism has not provided a solution. Just the opposite. It has urged women to strip the home still further by working outside and putting the kids in hired daycare. Feminists have pushed for abortion and state-funded daycare so women can prioritize work outside the home. Sociologists tried to rationalize the breakdown of the household as a good thing. They claimed that as the family lost its multiple functions, economic, educational, religious, medical, it would actually grow stronger. Why? Because, they said, the family would now be freed up to focus on its core function, emotional bonding. But it is unrealistic to think that a group of people who have nothing in common will sit down together and relate emotionally to one another over nothing at all. And the fact is they don't. Today, family meals are rare. It has become difficult to sustain any family coherence as individuals disperse to their separate activities or become absorbed in their personal electronics. 
the rising rates of divorce, desertion, cohabitation, and single-parent homes makes it obvious that sheer emotional intensity is not enough to hold families together. Getting married and having children has been reduced to a lifestyle choice. In fact, modern societies are rejecting even the biological basis of the family. When the U.S. Supreme Court legalized homosexual marriage, it did so on the grounds that sheer intensity of emotion between two people of any sex is enough to replace the biological correspondence between husband and wife. Today, the true revolutionaries are not feminists, homosexual activists, or other progressives, but those who are seeking to halt any further erosion of the family and even reverse this process. Families who are intentionally working to restore at least some of the traditional functions of the household. Most obvious are homeschooling families who are bringing education back into the home. Then there are the parents who are starting home-based businesses and family enterprises so that the husband and wife can once again work together while training their children in the skills needed for the workplace. Advances in technology are making it easier for parents to bring work back into the home through things like telecommuting. There are families who play games and read together instead of dispersing to their personal electronics. There are families who are restoring family devotions. With such a rich and reward vision, rewarding vision of the household, who wouldn't be inspired to invest in family life? It is this vision of the restored household that Christopher Wiley wishes to impart to you as you read this book. Really great. You know, there's so much just absolute gold in that little, that little uh, preface that we can mine. <clears throat> Jack Slater, welcome, fine sir. And Matt, uh, thank you. Only the best captain's hats around here, let me tell you. Welcome, fine sir. So I just wanted to hit on this thing tonight, you know, this idea of, you know, Wendell Berry really got me uh, back on track of this idea of the home economy, of how the industrial revolution, urbanization uh, has taken the, the, not only the man, first of all, the man out of the house. So all work used to be, you know, you, you hear this thing called cottage industry or the household economy or the home economy. And, you know, it makes a lot of sense of like, you know, you, you think of pre-industrial uh, life, you know, agrarian life. You know, you, you, you have a service or a product, you know, that your family, I like that, that, uh, line there as well of it's not the dad's job it's the family industry you know and, and I was I was blessed to to grow up uh, in a family business you know my dad and mom worked at the family business we lived on the property uh, you know I, I got to see my mom and dad working you know I I worked you know in the family business yeah, as a as a young boy growing up and you know it wasn't my dad's job it was our family industry you know and now my oldest brother has has taken over the business and you know it's it's this it was a great vision but this thing of we want to be able to work from our home our home is our uh, place of work it's our place of economy and i think to understand that really well you know Wendell Berry really helped me with that and and he put forward this crazy thing that i'd never thought of because up to that moment you know our kind of traditionalist patriarchally kind of Christian-y uh, kind of philosophy at that point was we need to bring the wife home. You know, you need to bring the wife home and um, and and now you've done your duty as a patriarchal Christian man. And then Wendell Berry just goes and blows your mind and he's like, and then we need to bring the husband home. <laughs> you know, and you're like, 
sorry, what? You know, it's like, no, you need to bring the husband home because you, you shouldn't be working for these mega corp industrial global homo urban crap dystopia box jobs. You know, what are you, are you tending the land? Have you got a service that you can give from your own home? Uh, you know, are you, are you building products? Are you, you know, and of course, you know, again, I'm not poo-pooing on capitalism and industrialism as far as the tool is concerned. You know, if you need to manufacture rifles, you know, you're not going to do it on your own in the house. Like you need a steel mill, you know, okay, we need to go and have, you know, capital to build a steel mill. And yes, there's going to be 20, 30 dudes who don't work at the home. They go to the steel mill, but the steel mill is still local. You know, that's why like Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, you know, it's like, okay, there's a huge industry there and you're not commuting, you know, hours and hours away to some crazy random desk job. Like you're probably, you know, taking a 10 minute walk or 15 minute walk down to the the mill and you're working at the mill kind of thing. And, and, you know, that was the, that was the hard part of the industrial revolution was figuring out how not to kill men with, you know, crazy uh, workplace, you know, and how not to kill children through child labor and pollution, pollute the rivers and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, that's what I say, the tool, you know, all it takes is wise men to use the tool. But, you know, the vast majority of people, if you're going to be a farmer, you're farming in your own land. If you're going to do a service, you know, if you're a doctor, a mechanic, a hairdresser, a give me a random service, a plumber, a, you know, whatever your service, if you have a service skill, a service trade, a service economy, you can, you can run that out of your own home. Now, we see the problem with this in suburbs and HOAs and urban environments is that, you know, it's very hard to run a business or a practice from your home, you know, because, oh, well, you know, the HOA is going to complain about that. And, you know, and it's like, you know, you have to go to this office park 45 minutes away uh, to go and run your business that you could easily run out of your, out of your house or, or very near to your house. Um, so it's all a very interesting thing, this economy of bringing the man back home. Um, and then obviously, you know, now a huge thing is bringing the children back home, you know, so, so not outsourcing them to, to the school prison trafficking system, but, but bringing your, your children home, well, uh, not even sending them out in the first place, you know, so you bring your wife home, bring your children home, bring yourself home. Uh, the next thing they, they say there is, uh, is medical, you know, that's a very, uh, a very fascinating thing in our kind of medical industrial complex in America you know, where, uh, kind of, you know, it's weird, but there are people who will like go to the doctor every week or to the farm, you know, like CVS and, uh, Walgreens are like the biggest, you know, like every small little town, you know, it's like, what are you spending? Like all your money on over there, like getting drugged up and pharmaceutical, but bringing the medical side back, you know, of, of, what is the point of, of medicine? You know, there's, there's preventative stuff, you know, and a lot of that is diet, you know, are you guys eating good food, preparing your food and, and, uh, you know, a healthy lifestyle, a, a low stress lifestyle, getting a lot of sleep, you know, being active and, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of preventative stuff can happen in, in the household, you know, and then as far as like trauma care and stuff, like, you know, of course you, you know, I lived in a rural area where, you know, we had, it was 30 minutes to the closest town where there was a doctor. Um, and he was a little small town doctor. Uh, but thankfully we had like a, uh, an old boy, uh, old boy, uh, <clears throat> paramedic 
you know, nearby. And it's like, he was the dude that everyone went to for stitches and emergency care until they could, you know, get off to the, the town or the city. And it's like, that's a service, you know, that's a service that you can bring back home of like, man, what a great service to give to your little neighborhood or community. It's like, oh yeah, this person knows how to do stitches or this lady is a nurse, you know, or that guy is a doctor or whatever. It's like, you know, the returning of the medical, you know, what a better time now when all these nurses and doctors are getting uh, fired for having balls for them to start home industries. You know, you can start a subscription service where, you know, people pay you however bucks a month and they have 24 hours, you're on call 24 hours to your, or, you know, 18 hours a day, whatever it is. I mean, obviously if there's emergencies and stuff, blah, blah, blah. But like, oh yeah, I have a hundred or 200 subscribers. I'm a nurse for the 200 families in my area, you know? And I, it's like, you're bringing medical back home and by home, you know, cause again, a lot of people think of industry. They're like, but if it's at home, I have no customers. Like I can't just sell to my wife and children. It's like, no, 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 guys, like your home is, is your local economy, you know? So it's a lot easier to think of it as local, but you're bringing it back local. So you're not, you're not relying on the big box. You're not relying on the urban, you're not relying on the global supply chains. And, uh, it's just really interesting to think through. <laughs> Copy star. Woman needs to make my dinner. Simple as. Frankly, sir, made dinners will save you a lot of money and make you a healthier man than going and eating out all the time. So praise God. Jack Slater, thoughts on Victor Davis Hansen. He sounds very famous, like I should know who he is, but I'm I'm afraid I do not. I'll have to look him up. And then uh, and then another thing there is the multi-generational, you know, so bringing bringing the multiple generations back home. You know, so so she talks about there the thing of, you know, outsourcing the old people to the nursing home and outsourcing the singles to apartments and probably schools and universities and, you know, the city. <clears throat> and, you know, what a what an amazing inheritance to have multiple generations all in contact, all, you know, in economy together. You know, imagine working with your dad, imagine working with your grandfather, imagine working with your uncle, imagine working with your cousin, imagine working with your nephew, you know, like that kind of inheritance that a lot of us can't fathom because we, we have been so atomized ourselves. You know, a lot of this, that's why I've, I enjoyed that, that preface chapter so much because it's like, it's a vision, right? So many of us, we haven't had the vision. And so someone has to outline the vision for you. And you're like, whoa, that sounds nice. I want that. So I really wanted to kind of drive home this thing tonight for us on institutions, you know, because our whole thing, again, our our, our uh, mandatory Boog ex, uh, disclaimer, you know, feds, you're welcome here. Our, our Boog is not against flesh and blood. Our Boog is institutional. It's against clowns in institutional high places. You know, so this thing we're always driving home of institutional power the first institution is the family. The first institution is the household of the family. And, uh, you know, that, that idea of, of the household as the forward operating base of Christendom. You know, everything stems from the household. You know, you, could even, you can even look at it so bluntly as without households, you know, there is no population carried forward, you know, making babies and discipling them to become Christian chads who then go on you know, to build their own households. And it's like, <clears throat> you know, the household is, you know, and, and that that little uh, quote photo that I shared with the link tonight on, on Twitter and Gab, um, it said that the, the house, the family 
not the individual is the basic unit the base unit of society of civilization of the nation you know we've been so psyoped into individual rights and the individual everything and everyone must have suffrage and everyone must have a voice and a vote and it's like no 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 the family is everything you know what are our interests our interests are that of the family and um <clears throat> you know everything goes downhill uh I'm trying to think who i shared oh it was that article on uh on you know the founding myth of of liberal globalism through world war ii and <clears throat> and the uh the celebrity status around Winston Churchill and all this stuff, but but basically the at the end of the the article, someone's quote, but it's basically like the three things we need for for the restart of Christendom, the three institutions. You know, he breaks down as as the family, as the nation, and as religion. And it's like, yeah, yeah, we can see it. You know, all you know, because he was oh, because he was basically saying World War Two destroyed the family. You know, all these men went off to their deaths. All these women were raped and uh, displaced. All these children were, you know, just, you know, imagine your childhood growing up in, in all of that chaos. The nations were destroyed. You know, if you ask, if you ask what was the outcome <clears throat> of World War II, it's that many Christian nations were destroyed. Absolutely destroyed. You know, God wants to disciple the nations. Satan wants to destroy the nations. Many nations were destroyed. <clears throat> and then religion. Religion, religion was destroyed, you know. Um, again, through patriarchs, the men who frame, the men who disciple, the men who lead and guide and and direct, uh, they were all destroyed. And 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 so the carriers of religion are patriarchs, you know. And so basically, this guy was just making the point that World War II was basically what destroyed Christendom. Um, or it was the final. It was the final nail in the coffin of you know quite a few previous <clears throat> uh, institutional shenanigans. Um, but so for us to get to that place of like everything starts at the family, you know everything starts. You know us getting us getting married to a virtuous girl. It's like that's that is a Christendom. That's a a hard step for Christendom. You know. Us having as many children as the Lord blesses us with, that's a hard step for Christendom. Discipling those children, you know, um, <clears throat> creating a, a home economy, creating tribal institutions. This is our way toward Christendom. That is not what we've been told our whole lives, which is go and vote. Go vote R. Go vote red. Go vote this guy's going to save us. Go vote this guy's going to save us while we, you know, sit around as little individuals and consume. Christendom is a Christendom is a patriarch wide effort. It's a patriarchal effort. You know, fathers create order. Fathers create order. And and all order is scale is is within scale. All order is within levels of authority. And the basic level that every single man must start at is the family is marriage and children and the home economy you know and then we're involved in churches and other tribal institutions you know <clears throat> the the family is the the base building block here 
And that is why media has absolutely gone so hard on destroying destroying the vision for the family. You know, calling patriarchs the fathers, dunces, and you know, basically empowering women to, uh, you know, because the, the Bible says of of the feminine nature that it that the woman desires to control the the husband, you know, rather than to submit and and to be a helpmeet through the churches, even you know, because a lot of churches are afraid to preach God's word, you know, and we get to this place where. We're all out consuming, you know, that's why like for me, I'm like, man, you know, we can, we can talk for like 12 days. We could have a 12 day long podcast on all the banking shenanigans and all the, the corporate uh, shenanigans going on and name names and, you know, conspiracies and truths and, you know, all of these, these things, but you know, who's doing the biggest, you know, who's doing the biggest hit jobs, hit job against the bankers. Uh, Dave Ramsey, let me tell you, Dave Ramsey is doing the biggest hit job against the bankers because he's got how many hundred thousand men to redact the bankers in their own personal lives, in their own hearts, you know? And it's the same way. It should be the same way for, for pastors. Pastors should be the Dave Ramseys of the men in their church for family debt, you know? So, so financial debt is what Dave Ramsey is hitting on and praise God for him. But we're indebted in this institutional thing of family, right? We've been we've been cut off from multi-generational families. We've been cut off from understanding gender roles. We've been cut off from from understanding how to have a, a good marriage. We've been cut off from understanding how to how to uh, disciple our children. We've been cut off from how to run our our economy from home. We've been cut off from how to belong to a community. We've been cut off from all the stuff that is family. So it's like, you know, we need that literal Dave Ramsey. Here's seven steps, you know, step one, you know, go uh, find a girl at church who uh, is virtuous and, um, and, and I, I even say the word virtuous, but I'm just saying like, who is in good standing. And so that the people around you are like, yeah, she's a good girl for you. And the people around her are like, yeah, he's a good guy for you. It's like, great, get married. You know, I repent of ever, you know, using condoms or, or, you know, even being afraid of like, oh, you know, we can't afford children. Or like, oh, I'm afraid of, it's like, no, like repent, you know, children are a blessing. The Lord will provide, like you, you need to get this thing in your mind of like, children are a blessing. A righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Children are a blessing of the Lord. Children are an inheritance of the Lord, a heritage of the Lord. You know, we need to get into our uh, children are an arrow in the hands of a warrior. You know, and we all talk this big game of wanting to be warriors and wanting to, you know, make a difference for the Lord and build Christendom. And, and it's like, have babies, you know, praise God, like God, give us many, many children, you know, let us be fruitful and multiply and, and raise our children to fear the Lord. Copper star. I found that since my wife cooks for me, I now hate eating almost anything that isn't home cooked. Yeah, man. You know, you start as your wife gets more and more skilled at, at, at cooking and you're like, yeah, like all this other stuff is crap, you know? And you start to really appreciate home cooked, you know, praise God. Um, <laughs> Copstar also can confirm as someone who works for my father, it frees you. Yeah, it's really good. James, welcome, fine sir. <clears throat> a point that the family is a basic unit of civilization is proven by the incessant attack on the family. Indeed, the endless attempts to mimic the family in perverse forms. Yeah, that's it. You know, either destroy it outright, you know, like Ted Bundy, stupid ass father, Homer Simpson father or subvert it, you know, like 
oh, two gays can be a family and adopt. And it's like, jeez. DVG, the president, could have made the decision of a king and father of his country during World War II. I'm not willing to devastate my own nation for generations to solve bankers' crises. Yep. Instead of looking at his citizens' sons and daughters as employees, if a war cause is so righteous, then the sons of all the elites should go too. Yep. Mr. Max, oi hey. Oi vey. Welcome, fine sir. Uh, just so everyone knows, Mr. Max survived an encounter in Montreal. Don't go to that dirty city, Max. It's, it's not good for you. Jack Slater, 100% agree. DVG, uh, got into yesterday with a coworker. I said we had no business entering World War One and World War Two. Yeah, you know, and that's for you guys as Americans. Man, as as an Anglo, you know, you you go, you, you know, you go back to like, you go back to, here's the irony of it all. The book I was reading is by freaking Churchill himself, the banker's chief warmonger. And it's a history of the English speaking peoples. Phenomenal, phenomenal work. You know, the, the man was a journalist. The man was a journalist. <clears throat> and um, anyway, you know, you, you, you look at all of the banking involvement, um, you know, the selling of the city of London. Not, not everyone knows that, but the city of London is, is does not belong to the crown or to the nation. It's been sold. It's its own sovereign entity owned by who. Um, but you go back, you know, to a lot of the wars and how finance, you know, financiers uh, were involved in all of it. And you're like, World War One was just a was just a big old popping of a big old pimple, you know, of like at scale. You know, you're like, oh, we've got petroleum now. Let's pour petroleum on it. Oh, that's huge. You know, like we've been starting fires with wax candles. Now we have this thing called petroleum. And, you know, just industrialization was applied to the, the usual banking warfare. And so that's why it was just an absolute meat grinder. Um, you know, we had no business, you know, anyway. Anyway, so yeah, so I really wanted to hit on this for us. You know, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of nihilism, a lot of despair uh, that comes around when we are embrace individualism. You know, as like man, the only way I can save society is to go run for office. You know, or to support this one individual who's going to do it all for me. You know, whereas like, you know, we really have to get into this thing of like, okay, family first, family first, economy tribal institutions, you know, patriarchal family, get that patriarchal family down as like, this is our number one stepping stone, our number one goal, uh, institution wise, you know, and I always come back to that thing of like, you, you can see how, how crazily, you know, twisted it's all got. If I ask you, you know, what do you think of when I say the word Amish family, you know, you think of an old boy and, and his wife and like 12 children, a farm economy, uh, a huge old, you know, church uh, community. They're all doing projects together. And like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, what happens when I say a Mormon family? What comes to mind? You know, an old boy with like 12 blonde Chad children. Uh, he probably has a, uh, uh, a hedge fund. And, you know, it's like they, those images that are conjured, you know, even if, 
even if you, you know, you, you go to the point of like, okay, now what comes to mind when you say modern American family, you know, and it's like a guy and a girl, their dog, and they live in an apartment in New York <clears throat> and they drive their leased, uh, Jeep, uh, to the state park. It's like, they're atomized. They don't know anybody, you know, their, their family are back in Nebraska and Iowa, you know, who they visit maybe, you know, once a year for Thanksgiving, if they have to, you know, that's the, that's the modern concept of the family, you know? And so you even then, okay, okay. But Scott, that's like neoliberal, uh, urban families. What about Christian, just normal American Christian heartland families? Okay. Well, even there, it's like, okay, that's fine. You know, you've got a, a married couple, and they have two kids and they have a house in the suburbs and two cars. And he works, you know, a job at XY corporation. And, you know, she works as a HR or a teacher, <clears throat> the children are off at, or all off at government school. You know, it's like, it's, it's an absolute hell story. It's a nightmare. You know, when you describe the average American Christian American family, even. And so we need to change that vision. We need to change that goal, that target, you know. So now for ourselves, when, when we talk about patriarchal family, you know, as the first institution, you know, the, the idea should be far more Amish Mormon than it is neoliberal or American Christian. You know, we want to be heading in this direction of like, oh yeah, it's pretty normal to have more than six, seven, eight kids. It's pretty normal, like good on you. It's pretty normal uh, to be, deeply involved in your church community. It's pretty normal to do work projects or economic projects or institutional projects with all of your church friends, your, your mates, you know, that needs to be the vision that we put forward this neo Amish, uh, vision for patriarchal family, you know, the Amish, no one's worried about the Amish person's wife going on, uh, antidepressants and, uh, committing suicide at her desk job. No one's worried about the Amish children being indoctrinated into being transsexual and being genitally mutilated at the government school. Like no, no one is like, yeah, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Just to encourage you on all of this, you know, I really want us to hit on that thing of the, of that vision, you know, the patriarchal family, the local economy, you know, and again, for a lot of us, you know, we are still going to be working in clown world, you know, whatever institution or job you're working, you know, we, we're probably not, home yet, you know, in the home economy, you're out in, in the global economy, or you're out in the corporate economy, or you're out in the urban economy, <clears throat> plunder it, you know, be a gray man, be wise as serpents, go under the radar, but all of that money, don't take that money and spend it on a new Jeep and a new boat and max out your credit card so that you can just carry on living the two child, two job suburb life. Get everything you can out, like follow Dave Ramsey, get, get all out of debt, get all your, your life in order, and then start building toward, use your clown world plunder to build yourself a household economy, a home economy, bring your wife home, bring your children home, and then start building assets so that you can bring yourself home. You know, if, if you've got skills, if you've got a, a service or a trade skill, you know, can you sort yourself out so that you're not doing it for Globocorp anymore. You're not doing it in the city anymore. You know, if you, if you're into product or into building stuff or producing stuff or fixing stuff, like how can you do it so that you're not 
beholden uh, to clowns anymore, you know, and, you know, plunder until, until you can either make a, a, a good leap or carry on plundering. If you can plunder, carry on plundering, praise God, but don't just plunder and not build your own household economy underneath that, you know, praise God. <laughs> Copper star, the Amish are stockpiling for the collapse. I know it. Well, I hope they're stockpiling panzers in some barns in Pennsylvania. Eh? SS officers in disguise, if, if ever I've seen them. Jack, buy 0.22 by the thousands. Yes, I've only got a couple hundred myself. I should buy a few thousand, shouldn't I? <laughs> there are tanks under them barns. It's very true. All righty, gentlemen. Appreciate all you being on. And we'll see you all tomorrow. Jack, lift weights. <laughs>